Good morning, and welcome to the Sons of Sequoia podcast, broadcasting live from Wheat Ridge, Colorado, the home of the champions. Today is August 7th, I mean October 7th, 2021, and we will be talking about fired Jeopardy host and executive producer Mike Richards and his rise to that position and his immediate downfall. How are you this morning? Oh, I'm doing fine. It's a beautiful day here, and this is and this is a fun topic. Uh, it's a it's an interesting topic because we love Jeopardy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so many people love Jeopardy. It's a great show, and uh, uh, Alex Trebek was just uh, gave so much uh, uh, to that show, to that to the uh, the the value of the show, the integrity of the show. Uh, he created he created a, a great show. And then since he died, uh, then then we began having controversy, which is really sad. And that's not the kind of legacy he wanted to leave. Yeah, the show was pretty no drama until this guy, Mike Richards, came along. This guy. <laughs> um, and honestly, the crazy thing is that I think he was executive producer for years. And he would have continued to be executive producer had he not named himself the host right probably so you're probably right and uh but uh but there's a lot of a lot of controversy around it and it raised things to the it's there's two ways of looking at this there's 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 two sides to the story you know one is in favor of him and the other is against him and you can bring up arguments on both sides Mm mm-hmm and uh, so maybe that's what we should do today, because we look at I, I like looking at both sides, the both arguments and to let people decide for themselves, uh, which uh, they, they think is more appropriate. Yeah, I uh, I'll just say and um, like, let's fill people in on the story. So Alex Trebek yes. passed away of cancer a year or two ago, and they did a new season of Jeopardy with guest hosts. Those guest hosts took two week stints hosting the show. Those guest hosts were among others, but from my recollection, Ken Jennings was the first, Mike Richards was the second, and then they had, and this is in no particular order, Katie Couric, Aaron Rodgers, Savannah Guthrie, Mayim Bialik, Joe Buck, LeVar Burton, Buzzy Cohen. And out of all those people, they chose um, and I thought it should be Ken because Ken is a Jeopardy fixture. He's a Jeopardy staple. He's the all-time winningest player. He'd be someone reading the clues who you know would be strongly competitive in that game. Um, I also felt Buzzy Cohen, who's a former Tournament of Champions winner, who they had host the Tournament of Champions, did an excellent job as well. And third, I do think Mayim, she has a very good reading voice for the show. And I thought she did a great job as well. But the show, whose executive producer was Mike Richards, and I think that he may have had a lot to do with who got chosen to be the host, they went through a decision process. Well, Ken got rooted out because of some jokes he made via tweets years ago that people didn't find funny. Um, That's probably the reason they didn't give him the show. And so Mike Richards said, well, I'm next in line. I want to be the host. And so he was in discussions with... I don't, himself, I suppose, to be the host, and he named himself the host, and there was immediate back, <laughs> backlash. 
in discussions with himself. I, I feel like that's sort of what happened. That's what that's the narrative. I, I wasn't privy to the discussions of the negotiations. That's but it, what it looks like. It's what it looks like, David. And he crowned himself king <laughs> of Jeopardy. And of course there was an immediate backlash. People were not happy about this. And they started looking into Mike Richards' background. They say if Ken, Ken made a joke, I think, and I'm paraphrasing here, but uh, I think it was, you know, five, ten years ago, he's trying to be funny on Twitter, and he's like, there's nothing sadder than someone hot in a wheelchair. <laughs> that was Ken's joke. Sure, and people are like, man. he's ableist. Don't give him the job. Don't let him work ever again. He said something wrong. Um, so that's why Ken got sort of ushered out the back door. Well, they looked into Mike Richards' past, and boy, did he do things that were way worse than that. Um, so I don't know if they're covered in this article, but should we take a look at this sure. article? Yes. Um, let me just see here. I want to try something new with my formatting on this podcast. Okay. Where we uh, yeah, the, there's look a, at the window actually, like this. There you go. You brought it up. Good. Mm-hmm. There's quite a few. There's a, quite a few articles out there, and the question is, you know. Uh, this is a good one from, I guess, Newsweek. Okay, uh, so this is from Newsweek, and I want to actually continue the story a little bit so anyone listening understands. Mike Richards okay. named himself the host. There was all this controversy. They dragged up all this stuff about um, sexist things he'd said on podcasts, things he'd done that were somewhat discriminatory to uh, models on The Price is Right who had gotten pregnant, and there was this huge backlash against him. Well, while this backlash was forming online... He took the helm as the host of Jeopardy. Um, He went into the studio and he hosted five games on one day. That's what this article, I think, is going to detail. Um, During that day, the backlash got so high that the Merv Griffin Television Productions or whatever said, we got to fire this guy. This guy is bad product. But the thing is, Jeopardy is a competitive game. And the competitive results, it was during Matt Amodio's continuing championship run. He won all five games. And it's like, you can't have him have to redo those games. He won those games. So they had to air those games. So for one week at the beginning of this season of Jeopardy, Mike Richards walked out there with a smug face and hosted the shows, the shit-eating grin on his face, looking arrogant as all get-out. And what happened? Well... The episodes air after the announcement that he'd been fired was made. You know, the episodes air four weeks or so after they're filmed. So we knew that he'd been fired. But it's interesting watching the show for that week because he didn't know that he'd been fired. Because it was taped a month in advance. And so at the end of every show, he'd say something. And we'd say, shut up, Mike. You're about to get fired. And that's exactly what happened. But... He was allowed to stay on as executive producer of Jeopardy. Well, people thought, why is he allowed to run the show and just not allowed to host it? What he's, If he said it was a firing offense for host, it should be a firing offense for the guy that's allowed to run the show. So he got fired from that job, too. And I think we were discussing this. The interesting thing about the story is he would have been executive producer had he chosen anyone but himself. The fact that he chose himself, he lost two jobs. <laughs> yeah. So that brings up a lot of issues uh, about decision making, and so you got to be careful. Got to be careful uh, what you choose to do, because there are there are circumstances around uh, choices like that. Heavy lies the crown. 
Heavy lies the crown. That's right. Uh, that's that's what it looks like. Uh, who knows uh, the behind the scenes? Although this uh, article here that you pulled up, it looks like a good one because it talks about uh, a pair of recent Jeopardy contestants have shared details of their appearances on the show during Mark, Mike Richards' role, uh, uh, sole day as host. Yeah. So it, there was some controversy there. So it wasn't as smooth as 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 he would want it to be. No. But then again, if it's not smooth, why would he, you know, why would you want? Again, I want to get back to why would you want the legacy of Alex Trebek to be undermined? Yeah. Uh, by, by, by these uh, controversial uh, issues. I mean, my my point is that he probably worked with Alex Trebek for, I don't know how long he was executive producer on the show, but he probably worked with Alex Trebek for years. They were probably friends. Alex Trebek didn't go digging into his history to figure out that he'd said some sexist things on a podcast. You know, he probably got put into the role by Merv Griffin Enterprises. Alex Trebek didn't know that he was discriminatory towards the models on Price is Right. And so... Mike Richards is like, yeah, I know Alex's heart. And and yeah, I've done a few shady things in my past, but that's not going to get me fired. And it wouldn't have gotten him fired unless he named himself host, which is exactly what he did. I think the issue could have been there is that uh, Alex Trebek was taking the lead. He was the face of Jeopardy. He was the lead. He he uh, he was there every day and he did he did the research. He he prepared well prepared. And so he he took the lead on Jeopardy, not Mike Richards. And when Alex was gone, uh, then Mike Richards stepped up when he took the lead. Then all of a sudden, it was a different position. Mm-hmm. Uh, running the show is different than taking the lead of the of the host and the face uh, of the show. That's very different. Because when you're the executive producer, you're not in people's living rooms every evening. And so you don't want someone in your living room every evening who sort of rubs you the wrong way. And I think that Mike Richards, it was something about him, even in his guest hosting. He's like, yeah, he's fine, but he's no host. And he's like, I pronounce myself the host. And everyone's like, let's figure out a way to get this guy out of there. And the thing is that he'd, Mike Richards had given the super fans enough rope to go on Twitter and find that rope to hang Mike Richards with. And it figures out. I also thought it was interesting that all the guest hosts that came on when I I saw them, I thought they all were fine. They were uh, all fine. None of none of them were bad. They all did a good job. And so, which one do you pick? You know, you pick yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that's what he did. Uh, but the thing of it is, is that they all were good. What process do you go through to pick that? Well. Uh, I think you have. It's not which one did a good job. They all did a good job. So that's not the deciding factor. The other deciding factor is, is what what decision is going to be the best for the show continuing on. Mm-hmm. Well, the the probably the worst decision is picking yourself because that that's not going to help the show going on because you don't. You want to pick someone who can represent the show, uh, not someone who runs the show. Yeah, um, like I read Alex Trebek's book. I think the uh, it's called The Answer Is. Mm-hmm. And he made sure that Johnny Gilbert, who's like 100 years old and still announcing Jeopardy, but Johnny Gilbert would say, and now introducing the host of Jeopardy, Alex Trebek. Because 
and shows in the early 80s when Jeopardy started, the reboot of Jeopardy, because there was Art Fleming Jeopardy too, which was mm-hmm. before my time. Um, but sh- all game shows said, and now introducing the star of the $25,000 pyramid, Dick Clark, you know. And he didn't want to be the star. He was the host. The contestants are the stars. I think Mike Richards wanted to be the star. <laughs> and that's why he got his ass fired. <laughs> yeah, 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 he did. So moving on to the article. Shall we get into it a little bit? Sure. Oh, sure. And, and I don't know if I mentioned this, but the host, I think they filmed five episodes a day. And so the first day that Mike Richards hosted... All this controversy was swirling, and they decided to fire him. So he got up there, and he hosted. When he got done hosting, it's like, oh, good job on your first day of work. You're fired. I think that's what happened. <laughs> so let's, let's read this. This is from Newsweek. The article is entitled, Jeopardy! Contestants Recount Chaos Surrounding Mike Richards' Day as Host. A pair of recent Jeopardy! contestants have shared details of their appearance on the show during Mike Richards' sole day as host. Richards was announced as the new permanent host of the long-running syndicated quiz show on August 11th, after a months-long search for a presenter to replace the late Alex Trebek. Just nine days later, on August 20th, Richards announced he was stepping down from his role effective immediately. It came just two days after The Ringer published a report detailing offensive comments he made while hosting a podcast in 2013 and 2014. On the day in between those dates, August 19th, Richards filmed a week's worth of Jeopardy. Wow. So that was some crazy timing. Um, Episodes during his sole day of presenting before cameras. A pair of recent Jeopardy contestants have since spoken candidly to The Ringer about the chaos surrounding Richard's sudden exit from the show, which briefly threw production into uncertainty. When the dozen contestants arrived at the Los Angeles studio to tape their appearances as planned on August 20th, it reported they were informed that production had been canceled. Samit Sarkar, whose appearance on the show aired Friday, told the outlet that he happened to be staying at the same hotel as current Jeopardy champ Matt Amodio, who he ran into long after he should have been taping at the studio. Um, oh, so Matt Amodio was walking around the hotel when he should have been doing episodes, you know? Yeah. Um, recalling his conversation with Amodio, which occurred as he finished breakfast with other contestants uh, from the previous day's taping, he said, we're like, dude, what happened? And he says, yeah, I got to the studio and they turned me away with no explanation. I had to find out about it online. That's fascinating. Mm. They don't tell the contestants. Contestants reportedly had to make their way to L.A. at their own expense. According to The Ringer, Jeopardy! contestants not competing on tournaments are required to foot the bill for their own flights and accommodation, not to mention fitting their work schedules around the extra time needed to meet COVID-19 testing protocols. Some of the contestants from the group were reportedly able to attend a rescheduled taping, which took place on the week beginning August 23rd, featuring Mayim Bialik as host. The Ringer also reports that contestants who were present during Richard's sole day as a host recalled him delivering a brief address to the camera in which he expressed his gratitude at having been made the new permanent host. The address was not seen during last week's 38th opening episode, 30, season 38 opening episode. Sarkar, deputy managing editor of Polygon, said that he is now part of a group chat with the other contestants from that day in part to discuss their unusual experience. We've jokingly re- been referring to ourselves as the Mike Richards 10, Sarkar told The Ringer. He went on, 
there is this sense of you have waited for your, this thing your whole life. You put everything into trying to get on the show. And then it's subsumed by this larger drama that you had no control over and no role in. Okay. Uh, I want to pause here real quick. Sure. You have waited for this thing your whole life. You have put everything into trying to get on this show. Imagine how Mike Richards feels. <laughs> it's you wanted to look at it from both sides. Okay, mm-hmm. this this guy's bitching and moaning. He's like, I've taken the online test, you know, probably twenty times over the last ten years. You can take it twice a year, and it's like I've literally devoted twenty minutes of my time to this a year for the last ten years. And it's like, Mike Richards has worked at Jeopardy for years and years and years. This is probably all he ever wanted. And he gets one day. He's like a Moonlight Graham in Field of Dreams. Yeah. He gets one, one day, day to, to stand on that stage and be the host. Um, so I think it's funny that this guy's like, what about me? And it's like, yeah, but what about him? Um, he got fired. Uh, Good point, David. Good point. <laughs> yeah. Looking at both sides. Looking yeah. at both sides of it. I mean, yeah. the thing is, yeah, he probably was like, oh, I can't believe I'm going to be host. He's like, I hope whatever I said on a podcast in 2013 doesn't come back to haunt me. You probably didn't even think of that. Nope. Um, he went, uh, let's see here. That's the bigger story that is swallowing up what for you is the biggest thing that's ever happened to you in your life. I mean, does this guy not have like children or a wife? Getting on Jeopardy is the biggest thing that's ever happened to him in his life. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. That's just, uh, I think this guy's trying to make it all about him. But it's okay. I'm glad that he decided to speak up. Well, a lot of times, the, the uh, it's not, it, it is the biggest thing, but it's maybe the biggest dream. Yes. That they could have, you know. Uh, there are other life, life uh experiences that are much greater and much more significant but this may be rather than the biggest thing i would say maybe a dream maybe that's what he means yeah like like, i've always dreamed on doing i would love to be on jeopardy i would love to be be, i mean i i think i would rather be on jeopardy than win the lottery because when i walked away with one or two million dollars and won you know 30 40 episodes in a row i know that i would have earned it it's not just the lottery you buy a ticket you take the ride like jeopardy you have to be good at trivia and i am good at trivia I noticed you said not if, but when. <laughs> yep. Because <laughs> you you would win because you're good at it. But the but you know that's more of a dream. It's not like the most important thing in my life anyway. But it's like the one of your biggest dreams is to be on Jeopardy, and you get to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's one of your biggest dreams. Yeah, yeah. Like I, so. it'd be it'd be funny to go back and find some meat Sarkar's uh, episode, and be like. <laughs> If it's the biggest thing that's ever happened in your life, how did you not know the answer to this question? Or why did you get this question wrong? Like, Yeah, why did you let Matt Amodio beat you? Yeah. But Matt's, that's great. He does a, he does a good job. He, he's, he's good, too. Um, do you want to finish the article? Oh, okay. Um, fellow contestant Emily Sharp Keller said that she refused to applaud Richards during his entrances to the stage after having read about his podcast comments. You only get one shot, and a lot of us were processing the heartbreak that will never be on Jeopardy. Again, and this was our only chance, Sarkar said. Sarkar had previously revealed that the upheaval 
had led to another major change to one of the show's traditions following Richard's uh, unceremonious exit. Taking to Twitter earlier this month, Sarkar pointed out that he had the dubious distinction of being one of the 11 contestants in history to have taped with Mike Richards as permanent host. Addressing the behind-the-scenes chains, Sarkar added, By the way, Jeopardy! Contestants usually get two photos, one with a host plus a headshot. We took, we each took a photo with Mike, but were only sent the headshot. Jeopardy! Producers have been contacted for comment. Uh, on, on August 31st, it was also announced that Richards was out of his role as the executive producer on Jeopardy! and Wheel of Fortune. He got fired twice. He got fired thrice, if you count Wheel of Fortune. That's right. That's right. So you have Wheel of Fortune also, because he did both. Uh, Bialik, who had previously been announced as the host of Jeopardy! tournaments uh, and specials, has since been taking over as presenter of the primetime show. She will, she will split duties with Kim Jennings through the end of the calendar year. There we go. That's the story I think that people needed to know. That's the context I tried to give at the top of the hour, at the top of the show. And we have the story of Mike Richards. Now, yeah. I mean, here's the thing, and I feel bad. I feel bad already. Because For what? Why do you feel bad, David? I feel bad because the week that Mike Richards was the host, whenever he would do his like little monologue afterwards, like I would always say, that guy's about to get fired. And then I made this thumbnail. And the thing is, like you said, look at it from both sides. I'm sure that he you know, this guy is a he used to be a host of the show called Beauty and the Geek. He's been in television forever. He's probably worked his way up from producer to executive producer to executive producer on one of the biggest syndicated, um, two of the biggest syndicated game shows in American television, Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy. And I'm sure that everyone's favorite game show, if they're at all brainy, is Jeopardy. And it's clearly the best game show. Jeopardy's the best game show that's ever been on television. And this guy said, I'm executive producer, Alex Trebek. I've worked with him for years. I know how he did it. I'm willing to work as hard as he is. I want this job. And the thing is, you know, maybe someday I'll get my dream job and they'll come back to this podcast and say, look at that time you spent half an hour ripping on Mike Richards for getting fired. You deserve to be fired too, you know? And you never know. Your, your words can come back to haunt you and people will parse the hours and hours of stuff that you put out there. Well, another way to look at it, though, too, David, is when you look at the five episodes that Mike Richard hosted, mm -hmm. uh, he did fine. Yeah, he, he didn't mess up. He did. He did good. He he moved along and uh, the actual presentation was perfectly fine, as good as everyone else. So there was nothing horrible about it. He didn't mess up or do anything bad or it was behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. It was behind the scenes that came up to uh, to to jeopardize his continuation on this on the program yeah a uh, pun intended by the way it jeopardized his continuation and it's something he said on a podcast in 2013 it's 2021 yeah. that's wild don't you think yeah it's eight years eight, eight years ago and so okay there again if you again look at the other side of it 
Uh, well, he did say it, and so and he was the the executive producer. What's what's wrong with being executive producer and picking someone else? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's one that's one thing. Is it uh, is that the height of arrogance? That's a question. <laughs> now, but on the other side, you know, he, he wanted to do it. That's something he wanted. And here's the thing. I think he got subsequently fired from his executive producer role, like we saw in the article, because this had come out about him. The fascinating thing is that this would not have come out about him had he chosen anyone else. This would not. Probably not. No one would be clamoring for, hey, the guy that guest hosted for two weeks and then chose Ken Jennings or Mayim Bialik to be the host. He said some weird things on a podcast, some things that were uh, derogatory against women on a podcast seven or eight years ago. We should fire him from his job of executive producer. No one would be clamoring, those ringing those bells. No one would be clamoring for that because no one cares who the executive producer is. If he would have chosen anyone else, he would have kept his job as executive producer. It was choosing himself to be the face of the show. And that's the funny thing because I think in a lot of instances, um, and, and this has happened with you know, movie actors as well. And I don't know what point I'm trying to make, but there was this movie called Billionaire's Boys Club. And it was Kevin Spacey's last movie before he got canceled for his sexual indiscretion, criminality, whatever you whatever you want to call it. And it opened, and I believe that it opened in theaters, and it got less than $1 million opening weekend. It got like $200,000 in its opening weekend. Um, wow. So dozens of people went to see it uh, <laughs> on opening weekend because Kevin Spacey, it was his last movie before he got canceled. Now, my question is, does the producer of that movie realize they got screwed because of Kevin Spacey, because he's the face? But he might be the nicest, hardest working, most virtuous person you've ever met. And you cancel the whole movie because one of the people out of the hundreds of people that made the movie, the fascinating thing to me is like Billionaire Boys Club, the money that it brought in was less than if every member of the cast and crew had bought a ticket. Wow. Um, Wow. So that was, I mean, I guess what I'm saying is when you're on screen, you're much more visible, like literally and figuratively. I think that people, they don't, the fascinating thing to me is people wouldn't have cared if Mike Richards chose someone else about his past indiscretion. They only cared about his past indiscretion, his statements, his actions, because he chose himself. Well, I think the lessons to be learned here, uh, at least which a lesson that I would propose uh, to be learned, is that uh, uh, as you rise to the top, you become more visible. When you become more visible, you're raising risks of of uh, attacks. And so uh, when you become visible, uh, it's like a, a target on your back. Uh, people can take shots at you. And so you're, you're and, and like we've seen, your past comes up. And uh, and all of a sudden, uh, uh, he didn't really have a chance to respond. No. To, to it either. There was there's no debate. There's like, oh, he they did this, boom, you're out. And so there was no real due process here. Uh, and so 
so I think the lesson to be learned here is that be careful. Uh, be careful what you want, because there's uh, there's a lot more to what you want peripherally, like collateral damage, than just what you're getting, because you got to be really careful. Mm-hmm. Now, Alex, and, I, and look at Alex Trebek, he was there. But I think he built that very slowly over years. He didn't rise to the top all of a sudden. Uh, and when you build something, build something slowly over decades and decades, uh, that's very different than saying, I want to move very quickly because because then then uh, you're not a fixture. Uh, you become a target. Yes. And I think what Mike Richards was thinking, and who can blame him for this? Um, Alex Trebek was a nice man, and he was a very good Jeopardy host. But he wasn't the world's most charismatic person. And neither was Mike Richards. And I think one of the, Mike Richards' decision calculus was, you don't need to be the rock, you don't need to be, you know, you don't need to be someone who's just oozing charisma to be Jeopardy host. And Mike Richards is 46 years old. I think that his decision calculus was, if I put myself as host, Alex was 84 when he succumbed, or around there, when he succumbed to pancreatic cancer. Mike Richards was probably thinking, I can come out here and host Jeopardy for the next 30 years. And I'll become a fixture by being in people's living rooms every evening. And this is the type of job you can do well into your 70s. And I'm setting myself up to do something that I love to do. I think he loves to be on camera, even though he was an executive producer, because he'd hosted smaller shows before, Mike Richards. Um, He's like, and I'm in a position as the executive producer to make myself the next Alex Trebek. And I've learned from Alex. And I want to be like Alex. And I want to have this job security. Alex said, I loved Jeopardy. And I worked hard. But it was a great job. We filmed two days a week. We filmed 10 episodes in two days. And um, I had all the financial security in the world, and I worked two days a week. It's like, it was incredible for someone in their 50s, 60s, 70s. Like, it's an incredible job. And Mike Richards probably realized that. He's like, I can step down from executive producer when I get older. I can just be the host, show up the two days a week, record the episodes. Like, I think it's super cush, like, to be the host. Um, what he didn't realize is that people were going to look into everything that he'd ever done and said. And when they did yeah. that, they wanted someone wholesome like Alex. And the fact that he'd said some, done some unwholesome things. I mean, Ken Jennings wasn't wholesome enough. He's a choir boy. He is a Mormon choir boy who's a whiz kid at quizzes. He's a quiz whiz kid who's a <laughs> Mormon guy. I don't think that he has any controversy in his past except for trying to make some jokes on tweets that didn't land. Um, and so if that was too untoward, of course, Mike Richards comments on the podcast weren't going to be tolerated. And of course they dragged him up and then he got fired. Which brings, I don't know, this is maybe, maybe at this point really shouldn't be brought up, but, um, should things like that be done? Uh, when, when someone does something when they're young or, you know, eight years ago or 10 years ago or, and they, they make a mistake, uh, should you, and I, I think I read in one of these articles, you know, you should forgive people. Uh, how much should those things really be? How, how important should those things be? If they say, you know, I shouldn't have done that. I apologize. But, oh, okay, well then you're no longer allowed to do anything that you want to do because that was wrong and you admitted that it's wrong. 
But then again, I, I wouldn't say that today. And so uh, is that really the right way to do things? I don't know, but it's the way things are. And that's true. That's I true, think but about should it be that way? Well, should doesn't have anything to do with it. Like what is is what is what should be. I mean, how are you going to control these mobs online that are trying to get you taken down? I think a great example is Kevin Hart. Do you remember his story? Yeah. He got he got chosen to host the Oscars. And I think this is 2017 or something, 2018. And they found these tweets that he made in 2010. And they were homophobic tweets, basically saying, as in a jokey way, I sure hope my son's not gay. And people are like, look at this. He's a homophobe. He should not host the Oscars. And they say, Kevin Hart, do you want to apologize for this? And Kevin Hart said, no, because these tweets resurfaced in 2015, 2016, when I was about to get another job. And I went on a press apology tour then for two weeks, and I apologized for these. Now it's four years later, and I get another job, and they drag these tweets up from 2010, 2011. And you're asking me to apologize for them again. I'll refer you to my apology from four years ago. I still feel the same way. I've still grown as a person, but I'm not going to go on an apology tour every time I get a job. And people said he refuses to apologize for his comments when he said this back in 2010 right now. And I, I sort of respected him. He lost the hosting gig on the Oscars. But he said, listen, I realized that what I said was wrong. It was insensitive. And I learned from it. And I said, and I, and I said that the first time I apologized. I'm not going to go do this every time I get a job. I'll refer you back to when I apologized for it the first time because I feel the same way. And that's fascinating, don't you think? Well, it's fascinating, yes. But it's fascinating to me and I probably shouldn't bring this up, but when you compare that with Donald Trump has said things much worse, mm -hmm. have done things much worse, he doesn't really address it. He brings up other issues. Yes, but what about? But what mm -hmm. about? But what about? And he gets popular opinion on your side, and he never apologizes for anything he did, and he did things much, much worse than that. And he never said that it was wrong. He never said he shouldn't have done it. He says, yeah, well, and then he would start blaming other people, and he became president of the United States. I think that that's a strategy as well. Never say sorry. Never say you're sorry and blame other people. And wow, is that what this country is coming to? Is that what the world is coming to? I think that's just another strategy. You know, if Mike Richards had more control over Merv Griffin Enterprises— if he wasn't just the executive producer of those shows, if he was president of the company, he could have said, I'm going to be host and there's nothing you can do about it. And you're going to watch Jeopardy because it's the best game show on television. And I fit into the format. And you're going to forget, I'm not going to apologize for what I said. I was making a joke. At what am I not allowed to make jokes? I'm a media personality. You may not don't think even, of the... No, yeah. don't, even, don't even address that. Say... Oh, yeah, but what about the Sony uh, executive that did this? What about this guy that did this? What about the Mervigrade? Let's, let's talk about these guys. And you bring up other issues. Don't even talk about what they say about you. Yeah. Like, do you want to address these comments in 2013, 2014? You'll say, no, I want to be the best Jeopardy host that ever was. And so I'm going to start today. It's my first day. I'm going to film five episodes, and I'm going to film for the next 35 years. 
right. because I'm in control of this situation. And some people be like, okay, well, I guess we can't cancel him. I mean, the thing is that he wasn't, he was, I think he had a large sway on who eventually got chosen. But after public opinion turned against him, he wasn't able to keep himself in that position. So he got himself to that position. He didn't have the juice to keep himself there. Which, sort of like sort know, of like Donald Trump. Do you feel like yeah, it, his his election loss is due to the things that he said? Because he got himself to president, but he didn't have the juice to keep himself there. And he tried. He tried to stay president even when he lost. You know? He pulled all the levers of power at his disposal to sort of say, I may have lost, but I'm going to win. I'm going to call the Georgia Secretary of State and say, hey, could you find, you know, 11,000 more votes so that I can win? And the Georgia Secretary of State's like, that's not how it works. It's like, you're being unpatriotic. And it's like, that's not how democracy works. And the Georgia Secretary of State knew that. The Georgia Secretary of State was a Republican. But Donald Trump tried. You might as well try to stay in. And so the voters did to Donald Trump what the fans did to Mike Richards. You could look at it that way, right? You could look at it that way. On the second, on the second uh, run for presidency, mm -hmm. on the first run for presidency, it did work. What Trump did did work. Mm -hmm. So I think there's, there's some things to learn here. There's some very interesting dynamics of society and human nature. That so the issue is much bigger than Mike Richards here. Uh, uh, I, I think I think there's a lot there's a lot to be learned here about how, you, you said it, David, you said it. it's not like what should be, but what is. This is just how things work. And so you gotta, it, it's not, it's not a e nice, easy, neat formula. <laughs> yeah. It's not A plus B equals C. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's reality. Reality is not a neat formula. And so I think, I think this, this brings up some uh, really good uh, issues. I, I also a lot, think a lot more than I thought initially. I, I mean, I think that there's, um, you know, there's what works in practice, and then there's how you should live your life. You know. Yeah, there's there's different there's different arenas. You have the public arena. You have the private arena. You have a work arena. You have a social arena. You have a fun arena. What what you do in business is not the same thing you do on the ball field, or what you do at home. Uh, you have different arenas, and you're different people uh, in different places. Sometimes you have the nicest, nicest, nicest people you could ever meet, and at home behind closed doors, they're they're monsters. Yeah, and I we've seen that in the news too. So, I mean, I think that there's like this philosophy this stoic philosophy of you're not trying the ends don't justify the means the means are the ends do you know what i mean so like i think of this quote by marcus aurelius waste no more time arguing what a good man should be be one and i think that you could say oh i don't have to apologize i i don't have to you know, do a, a, a apology tour. In fact, if I do an apology tour, I'll lose the job, like Kevin Hart. Uh, but you sort of have to respect Kevin Hart for saying, I already apologized for this. This has already come up, and I felt bad then, and I still feel bad now. 
I'm not going to do another apology tour. You sort of respect that a little bit because he actually admitted that he was wrong in the past and he's moved on from there. Now, he doesn't want to have to tell people that he's moved on from there four years later because he already told them four years ago. Um, you sort of respect that. For someone that says, I never apologize for something I did wrong, that's different. You know what I mean? That, that's not really being a good person. So from Kevin Hart, what, what lessons are to be learned there? Let me throw some questions out. Uh, what should he have done? What could he have done? What is another uh, approach that he, that he would have done that maybe would have worked or would have had a different consequence, a different result, different outcome? And that is, what if, what if he said, uh, what if he said uh, well, you, you said this way back then and you should apologize. He says, I'm going to be the best host of the Oscars, whatever yeah. they were, the Oscars. I can be the best host of Oscars and you're going to be proud of me and it's going to be the best experience that they've all had because I can walk in there and do a great job. Mm -hmm. Don't even address that. Address the future. Don't even address the past. Yeah. They bring up the past. Why do you follow them into areas that are history? Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's done. So why, if you go back there, then you give uh, credence to their arguments and you go back to, to you take away the present and you replace it with a past and the past really, you can't change it, yeah. but you can change the future. So just talk about the future. I also think this is a card that Mike Richards wouldn't have. That's a have. question. It's a question. This is a card that Mike Richards couldn't play, but Kevin Hart could. He'd be like, you know, black culture in 2010 was predominantly this way. And my life, I've been a reflection of black culture. And everyone's really always tried to make me something I wasn't. They've always tried to get me to reject black culture. And we've, we've moved on as a culture. But I know that you guys don't want me to sort of say what I truly feel or how I, what I truly mean. You're trying to make me repress who I am as a person. And that's, you should be ashamed of yourselves. I shouldn't be ashamed of myself. My comments were a reflection of the culture that I was living in at the time, not a reflection of who I am as a person. And if I'm not allowed to be part of my own culture, that's that's you guys telling me that I'm not allowed to be part. You guys are racist. You could, you could play it that way too. <laughs> you know, and, the, and the, 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 the victim, but yes. you know, you could play the victim card. The reason I made these statements that you guys hate is because you guys are bad. And I'm yep. the victim here. I'm the, vi the reason I made these statements is because I'm the victim and you guys are the bad ones. And what you're doing right now is evidence of the fact that you're the bad guy. You know? And he turns around and he attacks them. Yeah. He starts attacking them. Put them on the defensive. Because when you start talking about the past, you're on the defensive. Mm hmm So just be on the offensive. Yeah. Did you're you ever right. realize that the reason that you're mad at me is because you're a bad person? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 This is a very interesting time. It's much more interesting when you dig down than the surface. Now... You know, your standard issue, though, this is my question, your standard issue white guy, and I feel like Mike Richards is a standard issue white guy, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. How can he play the victim? I mean, the thing is, Donald Trump is a standard issue white guy, and he was able to play the victim for four years. Everyone's against me. The FBI is against me. The Congress is against me. You know, the IRS is against me. I'm the only one fighting for you. So I guess you can always play the victim, you know? That's right. Um, 
And so it's just different strategies. And notice uh, the, the guest hosts, all the guest hosts on uh, schedule, they had a lot of them. They had quite a few. And like I said, they, they all were good. So that's not the issue. They all did a great job. I, I thought they were good. The issue is you? That, yeah, the issue is that Mike Richards chose himself and people didn't like that. And I, like that. I think no. that the, they didn't like that he chose himself. The dragging up his podcast comments was because they didn't like that he chose himself, not because his podcast comments were disqualifying. They said, we don't right. like that he chose himself. Let's find something to disqualify him. Now, right. just going back to some stoic quotes, if that's okay before we end. Yes. I'm thinking there's strategies. There's strategies to get out of these sticky situations. I think we've seen Donald Trump be able to sort of weasel his way out of accountability. Uh, Mike Richards was unable to weasel his way out of accountability. Kevin Hart lost the Oscar hosting job. Now, I think a lot of the things that it's important now because everything lasts forever. If you say something on a podcast in 2013, you can lose a job in 2021. And it's important to know that. And going forward, think about this Marcus Aurelius quote, which I think there's strategy and then there's true virtue. So he says, if it is not right, do not do it. If it is not true, do not say it. Marcus Aurelius. <laughs> you know, that's that's very good. Very good. <laughs> it was like 2,000 years ago. Yeah. So if it's... So, yeah, I said that, but it's not true anymore. I'm going to say it. I'm not even going to don't even address it. Yeah. Move on. But also, um, be careful what you say. That's true. Be careful what you say oh, now, yeah. because it may be eight years from now, and I may try to get a job in something I said on this podcast that was not true or not right, and that I was trying to be funny, gets taken out of context, and I lose the job. And I'll say, you know what? I should have listened to Marcus Aurelius. If it's not right, don't say it. If it's not true... Or if it's not right, don't do it. If it's not true, don't say it. That's right. And it's and and sometimes it is people say things jokingly in jest, and it's not taken that way eight years later at all. Yeah. So that that, that could be a big problem. Or the audience that you have, and I think this is a big problem with getting outraged at like conservative pundits who say like Simone Biles is a disgrace to America. It's like, you got to realize they're not saying that to you. You're like when Simone Biles pulls out of the Olympics for mental health or, you know, because she's got the twisties and she doesn't want to break her neck. And it's like, she should break her neck for America. And it's like, that doesn't seem right. You got to realize you're not that guy's audience. His audience is a bunch of right wing wackos that are idiots. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> and and yeah, when that, he that's... says... When he says she should break her neck for America, you, you say to yourself as a, as a normie, like, that doesn't seem right. But his audience is like, yeah, she should break her neck for America. And it's like, why are they saying that? It's like, because they get riled up on the things that he says that are outrageous. And he's speaking to them. So as a media observer, when you say, look at the things that this guy said, you know, um, they're wrong. And it's like, that's because he's not talking to you. You know, they're wrong. For the general audience. And I think that that happens a lot, right? If you have a specific audience. Oh, yeah, ab absolutely. It's like like uh, uh, movies of the 20s and 30s. Uh, they will say things and do things that are not acceptable today at all. Because mm -hmm. it was a different culture back then. It was a different audience. Yeah. Like um, there's a classic clip 
in I forget which James Bond movie, but it's a James Bond movie with Sean Connery. And like, can you imagine this being in a movie today? Um, one of the British guys comes up to talk to Sean Connery about his mission and he's with his lady. And he's like, uh, James, we need to talk to you about your latest mission. And he turns to his lady and he slaps her on the butt and he says, run along now, man talk. Yeah. <laughs> that would not fly in a movie in 2021. That would not fly today. <laughs> but in yeah, 1965, would a- it would be like, oh, he's so cool. You know? So the culture does change. Things that people say that are horrible back, that's they were acceptable back. They made you look cool to say something like that in 1965 or whenever that movie came out. It's fascinating, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. By by today's today's standards, that that was disgusting. Mm-hmm. I mean, he anyway. Yeah, that's a very good point. That's a good point that uh, th- things change over time. And so, when you say things on podcasts, uh, they don't go away. No. They don't go away, and people rec- uh, listen to them, record them, bring them up. So be, uh, I like Marcus Aurelius' uh, quote. Yeah, if it's if, not right, don't do it. If it's not true, don't say it. Very simple advice, right? <laughs> very, very good, sound, simple advice to live by. To live by. I'm not doing that. It's just not right to do. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's not easy to. That's not easy. Sometimes you got to stand firm on what's right. Yeah. Uh, or which would not write because everyone's doing it. That doesn't mean you have to do it. You know, mm-hmm. uh, oh, everyone, everyone is doing this. That doesn't mean I'm going to do it because it's not right. And you you could be the odd man out, but it's not right. And I think uh, history will be kind to you if, we, if you do the right things and say the right things. So summing up, because I think we should end this very soon because I have to make a few phone calls. Um, okay, let's do it. I think it's okay to feel a little bit bad for Mike Richards. This was clearly his dream. You know, the guys uh, in our article, he was saying, this was my dream. And it got overshadowed by Mike Richards getting fired. And I think that my point was pretty good. What about Mike Richards? This was probably his dream. And getting fired was much worse than being on Jeopardy for one day. You know, he thought this was what he was going to do for the next 30 years. So I think it's okay to have sympathy for Mike Richards, even though he did something wrong. Don't you? Yeah. Again, there's two sides to every story, and you don't just take one side. You you listen to both sides, and that's kind of our theme mm-hmm. in the Sons of Sequoia. Listen to both sides and try to understand both sides. And I think you can also think he didn't deserve to be host, and you can say he got fired. Like, look at my look at my thumbnail. We're about to play it again, but that's not very nice. But you can also say he got fired for things that he said. And it was really weird because he was only permanent host for one week. But you can also say, I think he deserved to be fired or deserved to never be in the position. But I also have sympathy for him. Because he, what happened to him was kind of brutal. <laughs> you know? That's fair to say, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, and you could give the argument the other way that he shouldn't have been fired. He should be the host, too. Mm-hmm. You know, because I'm sure there's a lot of people like like uh, uh, Richard's family and they know how much he loved it. He was there his, his um, most of his career. Mm-hmm. That that was his, that was his life. It wasn't a dream. That was his life. And he, you know, studied under Alex Trebek 
he was, uh, I think he can probably considered himself as executive producer for all those years with Alex. He considered himself heir apparent. And then when he named himself the host, the public and the fans said, no, this show isn't about the internal palace intrigue of Jeopardy. This show is about what we want as fans, and we don't want you. And we're going to find a reason to kick you out. Uh, he, he probably was closer to Alex. He understood Alex Trebek. He understood the show probably more than anyone else. Mm -hmm. So you could argue that too. And he knew uh, he worked with Alex Trebek for all those years. And so he was probably closer to Alex Trebek than any of the contestants. Yeah. So, so there's all different sides to the argument, all different sides of the argument. And so uh, things are never uh, as simple as they seem on the surface. When you dig down, there's a lot more to it. And that's why you got to keep on talking and keep on listening. <laughs> yeah, so I think right? we can we can close it off there. I think that I feel bad for Mike Richards, but I also think Ken and Mayim will be just as good, if not better, hosts than him. So as far as I'm concerned, watching Jeopardy, I'll still watch it. I would have watched it with him as the host. Honestly, I did watch it with him as the host. Mm -hmm. his, his actions had no bearing on whether or not I would love the show because I will always love the show. Because so, the contestants are the are the contestants are the uh, stars of the show. Yes, like Alex Trebek said, the contestants are the stars of Jeopardy, not the host. The host right. is just he's a vessel. So if it was Mike Richards or anyone else, I'd probably still watch it. Um, if you want longevity, then make other people the star. Mm-hmm. You know, you be a host uh, because I know I've I've been at I've been at the university for a long time. And uh, I've done my job. It, I've done it. Try, try to do as good a job as I can. I just keep on going. And and a lot of I've been under a lot of deans come and go. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so you just you just you be the host. Let someone else be the star. That's another way to look at it. Yeah. So I think I'll play the outro music. Is there anything you'd like to say before we sign off? Absolutely, absolutely. The Sons of Sequoia again. We are here because we want to encourage everybody always to keep on talking, but listen more than you talk and try to understand what the other person is saying.